The Golden Globes Amid a Collapsing Empire Tonight will be a make-or-break moment for the Globes, and maybe Hollywood. All eyes are on Barbie to save the Golden Globes tonight when their beleaguered ceremony rolls out at long last on CBS. To get there, they would have to add 200 new members who were intersectional enough to satisfy the activists, who had scolded them and shamed them out of business for being racists just a few years ago. They would have to be bought by Jay Penske, who also owns The Hollywood Reporter, Variety, Deadline, IndieWire, and Gold Derby. They would have to put out bylaws and rules to ensure they would be fair and equitable. And now they will finally be able to host their award show and maybe have some high-profile celebrities in attendance. Gone are the days when Ricky Gervais laid waste to the ruling class with jokes that mocked them, exposed their hypocrisy, and were fearlessly funny. Remember funny? You'll be pleased to know this is the last time I'm hosting these awards, so I don't care anymore. Um, I'm joking. I never did. Um, NBC clearly don't care either. Fifth time. So, I mean, Kevin Hart was fired from the Oscars because of some offensive tweets. Hello. (laughs) Lucky for me, the Hollywood foreign press can barely speak English, and they've no idea what Twitter is. So, I got offered this gig by fax. So, let's go out with a bang. Let's have a laugh at your expense, shall we? Remember, they're just jokes. We're all gonna die soon, and there's no sequel. So... Things might be back to normal at the Golden Globes and the Oscars, thanks to the Barbenheimer phenomenon. But is it just a new coat of paint covering an industry in decay? Or is Hollywood back from the brink? How did it all go so wrong? The leaders of Hollywood stopped listening to the free market and became good Puritans in their new Woketopia. Once they took a side against the people, they sealed their fate and hastened their demise. If that sounds familiar, it should. The same thing has happened to the Democratic Party and the left writ large. Informing their resistance, they became the most insulated ruling class since the Gilded Age. These things never end well. I've been at this game since 1999 when I started an HTML site called OscarWatch.com. When it made money, I was sued by the Academy and changed it to AwardsDaily.com. I watched an entire industry rise around my little site, an industry of Oscar blogging that would eventually include the New York Times, Vanity Fair, and other outlets all earning money off the lucrative for your consideration ads. I was also at the epicenter of the woke religion that has strangled a life out of not just Hollywood, but art, science, music, and comedy. Back in 2001, I'd been calling out Hollywood and the Oscars because no black woman had won in the best actress category since they began. I raged about this loud enough that eventually people started to notice And that year, Halle Berry won Best Actress along with Denzel Washington, making Oscar history. It felt like a victory won against an oppressive system that favored white people who got the best parts, won all of the awards, and shut out those who couldn't open a movie. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so honored. I'm so honored. And I thank the Academy for choosing me to be the vessel but which is blessing my flow. Thank you. I want to thank 
My manager. That was years before Barack Obama would become the first black or mixed-race president. The high we received from that election is hard to explain to anyone who wasn't a part of it. You have to think about the self-help revolution in the 1990s. Therapy, big pharma allowed by the FDA to market directly to consumers that led all of us on a path towards self-improvement and perfectionism that would eventually take us one step closer to collapse. After the Clinton era ended, slowly we would build a new utopia on the left where character mattered. Bush would be the bad guy along with the Koch brothers and other evil demons who supported fossil fuels and white people. Or so we convinced ourselves. By the end of it, when Barack Obama rose to power, we were a new society, new Puritans, colonizing the new world online. I followed Obama on Twitter and he followed me back. Silicon Valley leaned left, and as they became the richest people in the world, they shaped our new world in the image of Obama. Now we'd be hell-bent on repeating the pattern of making history where none of it mattered. The problem? We didn't notice that we'd abandoned half the country. We weren't paying attention. Our bubble just felt so good. We were good. We were building a better world, raising perfect children in our perfect utopia. I sent my daughter to a high school my more critical thinking nephew dubbed a social justice military academy. I didn't think twice about it. Around that same time, Black Lives Matter was taking root in our online utopia. And before long, the hashtag Oscar so white appeared, sending the ruling class into a freaked out tizzy. I was way ahead of the curve back then because I'd already been on the bandwagon of pushing race and gender into the Oscars. It was critical theory in practice, I just didn't know the term for it. We all came to the same point at roughly the same time around 2013, just after Obama's second term. Around this same time, we began to notice the pushback against Obama himself. Any criticism against him was interpreted as racism. And from then on, that became the thing we feared the most. Gender and gender identity would come later. When Catherine Bigelow became the first woman to win Best Director and Best Picture, 2009, I quietly patted myself on the back knowing I'd had a part in screaming about gender and the Oscars, and it had worked. Um, uh, first of all, this is... Uh so, so extraordinary to be in the company of such powerful, my fellow nominees, such powerful filmmakers who have inspired me and I have admired for some of whom for decades. And um, thank you to every member of the Academy. Uh, this is, again, the moment of a lifetime. Um, I would not be standing here if it wasn't for Mark Bull, who... Every year there I'd be counting heads. If they snubbed an actress like Viola Davis, choosing Meryl Streep instead, 2011, I'd call them racist, suggesting they hadn't changed since the days when Hattie McDaniel had to enter through the back of the auditorium when winning for Gone with the Wind. I lost my core audience when I went woke. We didn't call it that back then, we just felt the high of a collective sense of purpose, making our new utopia online more equitable, 1984 style. We were building a world inside that locked out the world outside, and we were taking all of American culture, including the Oscars, with us. 
We were already too married to the Democrats so that all of Hollywood, a business that relies on the free market to survive, suddenly had to abandon it because half the country was now the enemy when Trump won in 2016. We never expected to need people to buy movie tickets and watch our award shows. We seemed to believe that all of our whining about Trump was something people cared about outside the bubble. We didn't notice we'd abandoned half the country until the Oscar ratings went into freefall. You can track them at the beginning of the Trump era. Hollywood took a side and thus half their audience vanished. When COVID hit, the box office collapsed. We kept waiting year after year for the box office to come back to life. Top Gun Maverick brought people out to the theaters, but it seemed like a one-off. We all imagined this was finally the end of theatrical. Then came Barbenheimer. As a meme phenom online, it represented signs of life in a dead industry, as TikTok users delighted in taking pictures of themselves in Barbie and Oppenheimer costumes. Every Gen Zer had to see both movies, so as to brand themselves as part of this movement. It's probably not a coincidence that Barbenheimer looked a lot like Hollywood movies used to look, with traditional masculine and feminine heroes. There was something retro about it, an echo of the past, that seemed to ignite a frenzy at the box office. But it was too good to be true. Not long after that, the writers and actors went on strike, and the industry once again hit the skids. When Sound of Freedom came along, the hysteria machine went into overdrive. Here was a movie that had defied the odds and become a bona fide hit, but because it wasn't part of Woketopia, it had to be viciously attacked and destroyed. The machine went into overdrive, attempting to crucify the filmmakers and the film's subject. Yet there it is in the year's top ten films, besting Indiana Jones and Mission Impossible. It also showed signs of life. People would turn out if someone gave them a movie they wanted to see. Therein lies the problem for the Woketopians. They continue to give people what they should want rather than what they do want. They could write the ship if they listened to the free market, but to do that they'd have to abandon their mission of equity over merit. Film awards depend on merit. They depend on an industry that awards the best, not an industry that tries to right the wrongs of society. Since 2020... Most film awards seem more motivated to give their awards only to people of color or other marginalized groups because giving out an award to a white guy movie feels counterproductive. But in so doing, they've destroyed their brand. The Fix Understanding the why of it takes you halfway there. The real problem for the Woketopians is their alliance with the Resistance, a.k.a. the Democratic Party. If Obama is producing movies, putting out top 10 lists, and overseeing his flock in our new America online, then there is no escape. No one wants to offend the king. Those of us who have been around a while remember what it used to be like in Hollywood and on the left. Of course, the counterculture revolution in the 1960s broke free from religion's grasp on art, science, education, and culture. That was an easy side to take back when they made Field of Dreams. And I say smut and filth like this has no place in our schools. Fascist. I like these her pain. Mrs. Kessenick, Mrs. Kessenick, that book you're waving about is hardly smut. It is considered by many critics to be the classic novel about the 1960s. It's pornography! No, 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 the Supreme Court says it's not. And its author, Mr. Mann... It is 
sick. Terence Mann is a Pulitzer Prize winner, and he is widely regarded as the finest satirist of his time. Yeah, well, I think he's a pervert. He's probably a communist, too. What planet are these people from? Mr. Harris, the so-called novels of Terence Mann endorse promiscuity, godlessness, the mongrelization of the races, and disrespect to high-ranking officers of the United States Army. And that is why right-thinking school boards all across the country have been banning this man's S-H-I-T since 1969. Excuse me, madam. Excuse me. Terrence Mann was a warm and gentle voice of reason during a time of great madness. He coined the phrase, make love, not war. While other people were chanting, burn, baby, burn, he was talking about love and peace and understanding. I cherished every one of his books, and I dearly wish he had written some more. And I think if you had experienced even a little bit of the 60s, you might feel the same way, too. I experienced the 60s. No, I think you had two 50s and moved right on into the 70s. Annie, look at this. Oh, yeah? Well, your husband plowed under his corn and built a baseball field. That's right. Now, there's an intelligent response. Annie. The weirdo. <laughs> Annie. Honey, it's all right. I'll be cool. At least he is not a book burner, you Nazi cow. At least I'm not married to the biggest horse's ass in three counties. All right, Beulah, do you want to step outside? Fine! Uh, Annie, Annie. Uh, well, all right, sit all right, honey. I've got a better idea. Let's put it to a vote, all right? Who's for Eva Braun here? Who wants to burn books? Who wants to spit on the Constitution of the United States of America? Anybody? All right. Now, who's for the Bill of Rights? Who thinks freedom is a pretty darn good thing? Come on, come on, let's see those hands. Who thinks that we have to stand up to the kind of censorship that they had under Stalin? But that Hollywood doesn't exist anymore. We don't have Arthur Miller to write The Crucible or Rod Serling to write The Twilight Zone. We have instead good Puritans who value their status inside Utopia. All of the great work will have to be built outside of Hollywood as a new counterculture takes shape. What is destroying Hollywood and the Oscars is they have forgotten why they exist at all. They're not a church or a religious movement. They're here for one reason, to entertain us. Do we care what Jennifer Lawrence, Robert De Niro, Julia Roberts, or Mark Ruffalo think about politics? No. They should be begging Ricky Gervais, Dave Chappelle, or Joe Rogan to host. These voices are popular and exist in the real world. But more than that, they have no problem speaking truth to power. Give people a reason to watch, and they just might. And the only thing that got me out of that space was a comedian friend of mine, the late, great Norm MacDonald. 
That's right. Shout out to Norm. And what Norm did, which I'll never forget, is he knew that I was the biggest Jim Carrey fan in the world. Now, I'm not going to go all into it, but Jim Carrey is talented in a way that you can't practice, rehearse. What a God-given talent. I was fascinated with him. And Norm knew that. And he called me up and he goes, Dave, um, he says, I'm doing a movie with Jim Carrey. Um, do you want to meet him? And I said, fuck, yes, I do. And it was the first time I could remember since my father died being excited. And the movie... It's called Man on the Moon. I didn't know any of this. And in this movie, Jim Carrey was playing another comedian I admired, the late, great Andy Kaufman. Yes, and Jim Carrey was so immersed in that role that from the moment he woke up to the time he went to bed at night, he would live his life as Andy Kaufman. I didn't know that. When they said cut, this nigga was still <laughs> Andy Kaufman. So much so that everybody on the crew called him Andy. I didn't know any of that. I just went there to meet him, and when he walked into the room where we were supposed to meet, I screamed, Jim Carrey! And everyone said, no! <laughs> Call him Andy. And I didn't understand. And then he came over and he was acting weird. I didn't know he was acting like Andy Kaufman. He was just like, hey, how you doing? And I was like, hello. <laughs> Andy? Now, in hindsight, how fucking lucky am I that I got to see one of the greatest artists of my time immersed in one of his most challenging processes ever. Very lucky to have seen that. But as it was happening, <laughs> I was very disappointed. Because <laughs> I wanted to meet Jim Carrey and I had to pretend this nigga was Andy Kaufman all afternoon. And he was clearly Jim Carrey. I could look at him and I could see he was Jim Carrey. Anyway, I say all that to say, that's how trans people make me feel. You're not going to do that because streaming has given Hollywood and award shows a soft landing and a safe space to retire. The SAG Awards will be hosted on Netflix this year and viewership numbers won't matter. Like fixing the left, fixing Hollywood is likely a fool's errand. They don't want it to change. They've reached an unfortunate bottleneck that leaves them no option except to let what was once a thriving empire collapse. But out of the ashes, a new industry will grow. Because we the people still need one. Thank you for listening to my essay on Hollywood Woketopia. I think you can add this to your podcast feed if you're interested. I will be recording some of these episodes now and again. I saw her today at the reception a glass of wine in her hand I knew she was gonna meet her connection At her feet was a footloose man And I said that you can't always get what you want, honey You can't always get what you want 
you can't always get what you want But if you try sometime Well, you might just find And you might you need A man didn't look pretty ill We decided that we would have a soda My favorite flavor is cherry red I sung my song to my friend Mr. Jimmy And he said one word to me and that was dead that you can't always get what you want, honey And you cannot always get the man that you want And you cannot always get the man that you want But if you try sometime, it just might find It just might find Come back and get back Thank you. 